Are you trying to find a way to afford your favorite Bible scholar's next book? Are you searching for the next biblical research book to fill your shelves? Then if you want to justify a $35 plus shipping and handling expense to your spouse, look for savings on your home and auto insurance at the Better Insurance Agency. We can evaluate your insurance rates with multiple carriers to find you the best deal with the best coverage. Because if history has shown us anything, it's that the biblical narrative is real and that you'd better have a good excuse for your spouse on not on getting yet another book by Dr. Judd Burton. So choose the Better Insurance Agency and visit us at www.thebetterquote.com today. This is Timothy Albrino, and you're listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God's be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't it, is it this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. Nephrology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold and act like $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together that we can talk about you and about your word, Lord. Please give us discernment in everything that we're going to say. And please have this reach who it needs to reach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're back. We're back. Um, Today, we're down Justin again, which is unfortunate. He and his family are on a a vacation out to New York. So he will be back with us next week, which we're looking forward to. Um, But in the meantime, we have a very exciting uh, guest with us today, uh, Mark David Cooper. He's the author of the book, Baptism of Grace. He's the founder and president of Just Bible Ministries. Um, He's worked with the Samaritan's Purse. Uh, He's an ordained chaplain. 
He got his B.S. in engineering from Washington State and a master's in biblical studies from the Dallas Theological Seminary. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Oh, it, we appreciate what you're doing, too. And, and I just got to re, I got to read your book um, in the last week. And, and it really I really enjoyed it because it really kind of connects some dots for me, even though I think um, I do agree with you in, in most aspects of all these things. I think we're on pretty much the same wavelength. But I think it's really important that people understand. And, and it's something we always talk about is how important it is to look at the Bible from the eyes of the writers and the, and the eyes of the people they were writing to at the time. So if we don't take it in the context of what it was written, sometimes those things can get misconstrued and distorted. And the other part that really bothers me, I guess, as a whole is that the church, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of church. I always say this. I love our church. I adore our church. And I think the church as a whole is, is, um, you know, people need church. They need that fellowship or followship as, uh, as you like to put, which I do love that yes. the way that you word that. But I think it, the part that really bothers me is how everybody is so separated and everybody thinks they're the only one that's right. Right. So if you'd like to go in Mark and kind of just break down for us kind of how you got into this, because obviously you started as an engineer and all of a sudden here you are following God's uh, calling into the ministry. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, first off, I want to say that I'm saved by the grace of God, the father who sent his son to die for us and take care of my sins and reconcile me back to the father and, and, uh, send the Holy spirit to live in my life. And, and my goal and my, uh, aspiration is to follow the guidance of the Holy spirit. And, you know, that's the gospel of God. Paul calls it the, the gospel of God and, um, grew up under the realm of the church. Um, mm -hmm. parents went to church. I grew up in the church and, being of the engineer mindset, uh, had to logically make sense of it all. And so I had to really get the, get the, the where, the what, the, you know, the equation had to have the equation with the answer. And, uh, that's what really started me with the, this, this Bible thing, right? Grew, even though I grew up in the church had to really answer a lot of questions and that's what drove me to um, really going to seminary, the DTS, and uh, learning as much as I possibly could under some of the best teachers of the world. And uh, it, well, interestingly enough, what I learned from seminary is what I don't know. I have more questions coming out of there <laughs> than I have answers. But that's what the, the Bible is all about. That's what the Word of God is. And that's the Holy Spirit moving in our life. And so baptism has been a um, one of those things that I, I needed answers to. And I had to really dive in and figure out what does it mean and what what's the impact of it and what's the wholeness of it. Um, I was uh, what the church calls baptism in a Baptist church at the age 12, dunked in the water. And um, as I say in my book, I came out wet. And uh, that coming up wet was no angelic form, no heavens opening up. It was a ritual that I did at the church. And so I really started asking some questions. 
And then when you have different religions who sprinkle as infants, uh, baptize in their church, they need running water, they need moving water, they need living water. And the, the question becomes, what is this? What is this thing that we call baptism? And so what um, I really did was I started searching, and the thing that I needed to understand is that God works differently with everyone. Um, he works differently with you. He works differently with you, Ben. He works differently with me. Um, our call to him has, it has been different. And we see that in the Bible. The, the, Jesus came to the disciples and said, follow me. But he, came to, but he came to Paul with a blinding light and knocked him off a horse. And so there's different elements of how people come to know the Lord. And with that said, we need to research the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to read the Bible with that in mind. The, the message that I get from somebody else in their testimony may not fit for me. And I need to understand that. And I think that that's one of the things that people need to grasp is that God is going to work differently with for you. He's going to work differently in your life than he does in everybody else's life. So there's not a cookie cutter way to come to the Lord. He's going to find you, but it's going to be different. And you mentioned the, the, the term fellowship. One of the things that um, one of the platforms I, I love to get on is, is that our society, the world, is infatuated with this term called leadership. And this term called leadership is uh, very interesting because if you break it down, the word lead means that you're first. And so it becomes a, when you use that term leadership, it's a first ship. And when you look at the Bible and you look at Jesus and what he was telling his disciples is, follow me. Um, he never said to Peter when he was reconciling Peter after he uh, resurrected and was walking the earth and Peter was out fishing and he's on the shore and Peter comes and realizes that it's Jesus. That whole reconciliation was Jesus asking him, do you love me? And, and Jesus and Peter says, yes, I do. And he says, well, then feed my sheep, feed them. Um, he didn't say lead to them. Mm -hmm. He said, feed them, give them the information, make disciples of them is our command. And, and he, what he tells Peter is follow me. And so what we should be doing, the fellowship concept is we should be influencing people to follow Christ. Because if, if, if I set out to say, I'm the leader, I need you to follow me and I fail, then what does that do to your faith? And what, I, what we need to be doing is getting people to understand that we need to follow Christ. And following Christ and following the, the imprompting of the Holy Spirit in our life is that fellowship of what we need to be doing. And with that said, it led me into this whole understanding or this whole thought process of, of baptism. And what, what I've discovered is there's five different baptisms in the Bible. Um, there's the water baptism. I call it the Trinity baptism, which is the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit, which we know about that, fire baptism, and, and then the blood baptism. 
Um, these are real baptisms that people talk about, but they never put them together. Um, and, the, and the institution wants to focus on a physical event of water in our churches, um, which I, I need to set the stage right now is I don't argue for or against that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want people to do is understand the, the, the breadth of what it is. The, the magnitude of when um, we talk about baptism or when you read baptism in the Bible, what does it mean? What's it being talked? What's being referenced? What is it being, what is it talking about? Uh, very interesting that Jesus, uh, when he was having conversations with the Pharisees, they were challenging him. Well, what authority do you have to teach? He, and he, I love the way he responds. He answers them with a really hard question. And the one question that we find in Matthew 21, verse 25, and we find it in Mark 11 also, is he asked them a question, baptism, is it from men or is it from heaven? And, and we have to answer that question today. It's a question that we really need to grasp and understand and wrestle with. Is, is what we call baptism, is it from humanity is it from a priest? Is it from a pastor? Is it from an elder? Is it from a person? Or is it from heaven? And a lot of times when you get into these questions of the Bible, the answer is yes. And uh, so the approach that we need to take is looking at uh, not just the one physical action, but the spiritual aspect of what this baptism is. In the water baptism, when you when you look at the woman at the well, um, the, he meets this woman at the well, and and she's getting water. He asks for water, and uh, they have this dialogue, and it ends up that Jesus tells her, "If you ask me for water, I give you this living water." And there, and so she becomes this big missionary, right? When she goes back to her city. Um, she was. She had multiple husbands at the time, and uh, and so the interesting thing there is water's involved in this conversation, but there was no physical action that Jesus did for this woman. It was I'm giving you the living water, which was Himself. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the water baptism, yes, there's a phys- there are physical events that we see in the Bible. We have the the eunuch scenario that Stephen baptizes him in the water. Uh, Peter baptizes um, uh, Cornelius in in water. Uh, but there's more to those stories. After the eunuch was baptized, um, the uh, what happened was is that the Holy Spirit took. Um, I just lost his name. What's his name? Philip. Philip. Who baptized Philip? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Who? Uh, who? Um, the Spirit took him out of that setting, which I find very interesting, because now who's the protagonist of the story? It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not the water event. It's not the eunuch. It's not Philip. It's the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in the scenario. And if you look at Acts ten and eleven, where Peter is. Uh, with Cornelius, and uh, they do a, a water baptism. 
But after that, Cornelius and his family become baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then what Jesus says is that um, I'm, he, he, Peter goes back and remembers what Peter says, that John baptized you with water, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that, that evolution that we're seeing is a change from the physical, which we have in the Old Testament, to a spiritual realm that is occurring with this baptism. And we see that transition in those events through the book of Acts. And so the water baptism is very interesting because Jesus says, I'm the living water. Um, you know, I'm the, I'm the water, I'm the life, right? The water is, is your life, and I give that to you. And you fast forward to Revelation. Um, when you go to the throne re- room in uh, Revelation 21, 22, the, what we have a picture of is the Father on the throne, but coming into that throne is water, and that's the living water. And that's where the tree of life gets its life from that living water. Mm-hmm. And out of that comes the Holy Spirit flowing. And, and so when we look at, okay, what, what water baptism do I want? I want that living water of, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in my life flowing from the throne room of God. And that's, so the expansion of the water baptism is the living water, which is Jesus Christ himself. I'm right with the you on that. One, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll, go I was ahead. Say, I was right with you on that. And the way I look at it a lot is that when we, you know, God has, you know, with Jesus' death and everything, God has given us the ability, obviously, that we have that firm relationship with him where we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. But we also now... God gives us the ability to immerse ourselves. When we talk about baptism, we talk about, you know, most of the time people talk about submersion or immersion in the water. We can immerse ourselves in God. We can immerse ourselves in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inside us. So that, that symbolic, you know, I, I've always thought kind of as the, and I've been on both sides of that. I was raised Lutheran. So you had the sprinkling as a baby. And then I um, have, was Baptist for a period of time as just far as the churches I was in. I was never allowed to be a member though, because I hadn't been baptized the way they wanted. And I think that that was, well, and that's, that's part of where I, and I, I had some talks in one of their, their, I went to one of their members class and asked them a bunch of questions about that and about, um, you know, their idea of the age of absolution and things of this nature, which, you know, um, I understand where some of their thought processes come from, but, but to say, and I think you said it in such a good way that I think people need to hear. I think when we really break this down and we say, okay, if you ask pretty much any pastor out there, do you, you ask them and say, hey, do you need to be baptized to be saved? Do you need to be baptized to have salvation? And they'll say no. But at the same breath, you're not allowed to be a member of that church unless you're baptized the way that they want you to be. And I, I right. find that very hypocritical. And, and that really right. bothers me because people out there have to understand they can come to God. They can be on their own. They don't have to walk down and be in front of everybody. And, and it don't have to be a big show. It doesn't have to be a show because at the end, baptism, yes. no. like I am not against getting baptized. Not at all. I mean, that's your profession of faith. That's how you feel. You feel like you need, you're compelled to do that. I am all for it. I don't think that it is at all something that is necessary, but if you feel compelled to do it, do it. However, when you're getting baptized, the question you should be asking yourself is who is that for? 
Is it to show off for the people in your congregation to say, hey, look at me, look what I did? Or is it really a confession between you and God? Because really, your baptism and your, your, your connection with God should really just be the fact that it's your commitment to him. A baptism, oh, the water baptism to me is just basically you just drawing a line in the sand saying this is the team I picked. But it doesn't mean that that was the, the key salvation risk. Or the, I'm not risk, but the key salvation note, if that makes sense. Element. Right, right. <clears throat> but sorry, I, I just... I just wanted no, no, to throw that in there. I think that's so important no. for people to understand. They can come to God. They don't have to jump through these other loopholes that the church has right. put their way, which has driven a lot of people away. And that, that's that correct. bothers me, but that's right. neither here nor yeah. there. <laughs> and that's why I preface with God works with us differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if God is saying to, to go and do a water immersion sprinkling, whatever, then you better do it. But if God is saying, no, you don't need to do that, then the question is why? Why do I have to do that? Am I doing it for man or is I doing, am I doing it for God? Mm-hmm. The same question that Jesus asked, right? Is it for man? Is it from man or is it from heaven? And we really need to wrestle with that when we're, when we're teaching this and when people are, are questioning about this water event. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, what does he gives us, give us, he gives us that living water. He calls himself that. And that's what he, that's what I want. You know, dump, dump, saturate me with that. Um, inundate me with that. Um, very interesting when I was studying, uh, and reading uh, multiple books on baptism, majority of the books argued for some mode of baptism. They were arguing whether sprinkling or an infant or a believer's baptism or immersion. And very interestingly enough, they were using the same verses to support their position. And that, that was a conflict for me. And I struggled with that also. And that's why I was thinking, you know, it, it's gotta be bigger than that. It's I got to back out and say, what is, what does God really want us? What does he want from us? And what he wants to do is give himself to us. And that's what he does with that living water that he pours on us. You know, the second one that I've mentioned is the Trinity baptism. And, and when, I, when you look at, um, and this is, the, this is the sacred cow that is a platform for um, uh, some denominations that um, want to really stand on a water physical event. Uh, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, you know, that command is go and make disciples. And when you look at the rest of that verse, first of all, there's question whether or not the rest of that verse was, or the half of that verse was in the original text. Um, there's, there's evidence that it wasn't. And one of the uh, factors of that is Eusebius, who is the one, one of the early fathers of the Christendom never, when he quoted Matthew 28, 19, he never said, baptize them into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He always said, make disciples. And, uh, and, and he didn't use that other part. 
And so the question is, okay, was that stuck in there after Nicene Creed? Because the whole Nicene Creed was to verify the Trinity, right? Because it was all about Jesus Christ being the Son of God. And, and so if you put that information in this verse, then it solidifies the Trinity aspect. Here's the a very interesting thing is that the, in the Greek, the word, it's uh, E-I-S in the Greek, is, um, that word can be translated as in, the, or it can be into. Um, most of our English Bibles in, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if you jump to Romans, Romans chapter 6, what it says is you're baptized into Jesus Christ. Uh, Colossians does the same thing. It says into. So if you go back to Matthew 28 and change from into into, it really changes the perspective. Perspective of what, what are we being baptized with? Are we Because in means that I'm, I'm baptizing you into something. But if I'm into, it's a broader perspective of now I need to understand what the Trinity is. Um, so if you, one argument is it wasn't there. The other argument, if it was there, the translation of the word needs to be, I'm, I'm going into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not necessarily the water. I'm going into the Trinity. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we need to have the fullness of God in us. We need to be inundated with the fullness of God, immersed in the fullness of God. And that fullness of God is the Trinity. And so when you look at that command, go forth and make disciples, one of the things the disciples and the apostles did was is they always highlighted and identified the Trinity. Every one of them. I mean, you can go to Paul, to Peter, they all talked about the three Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so what, what, what this command is, what we need to be doing is teaching the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so the, um, that, that baptism of the Trinity in that verse basically says that we need to be filled with the fullness of God. And, and that, you know, I don't know about you, but when I think about that and read about what Ephesians, that, that fullness that's in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Kind of gives me chills, right? Mm-hmm. It, it and it gives you a, a huge reverence of, okay, who am I? And and but I'm I'm I have the power of the Holy Spirit, and I I He dwells in me. Therefore, I am His creation. I am His Son, and I am in His family. And so the so that that baptism, that inundation of that Trinity, is very chilling and very. One, at one point, it's very challenging and scary. Another point is very exciting because that's who I am. <clears throat> the, the, the third one is, and we all know this, the, the Holy Spirit. The, every gospel, all four gospels and twice in Acts, it says, and I've already talked about it, John baptizes with water and Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that um, we receive through Christ. 
Um, now there's many different interpretations. There's many different, in fact, denominations are started with the Holy Spirit and the fact that there's an event that has to occur with the Holy Spirit coming into your life and there's evidences out of that. Um, that could be. But again, I will say God works with us differently. The Holy Spirit in my life is different than the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you look at what the Holy Spirit does, it convicts us. It's, uh, it encourages us. It guides us. It motivates us. Um, it, it gives us a, a sense of peace. And, you know, there's a litany of things that the, the Bible talks about of what the Holy Spirit does for us. Um, in, in Acts chapter 10 and 11, when John, um, I'm sorry, when Peter baptizes Cornelius, and he had a life change, but that life change was basically because the Holy Spirit came on his life. Peter had an aha moment at that point. And he said, now I know why. Jesus said, John baptized with you with that physical activity. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so for, for us and for the listeners is what, what baptism do you want? We should, be, we should be hungry and thirsty for that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he, he dumps it on us. There's nothing that we can do. I mean, we can ask for it. We can pursue it. But he gives it to us. Um, one of the things, the illustration that, that I like to give is um, I, I love my 5.0 Mustang, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, unfortunately, um, I can't drive it as hard and as fast as I would want to because there's too much traffic. But um, the, the issue is, would I give that, the keys to a brand new 16-year-old boy? No. And say, go have fun. <laughs> no, right? Um, I would want to make sure he knows how to drive it, that, there's, that he knows how to control it, and probably wouldn't give it to him until he's 30. Um, but the point of that illustration is, that's the whole way the Holy Spirit works. He's not going to dump all this power and all this uh, ability on us. He's going to work us through and, and, and see how we do and how we manage it because everything that the Holy Spirit does is the point to Jesus Christ. And so what we need to do is make sure that we are pointing back to, the, the, to Jesus Christ and that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And that, um, you know, that Holy Spirit baptism is, is again, personal. And, and God's going to work with us all uniquely on how, what that looks like and how that power is manifested. The, four, the, the fourth one is fire. Um, one that's not talked about very much because it's scary, right? Um, you know, we, in Acts uh, 2, there's tongues of fire that came down. And you could say, question whether it's literal fire or not. Um, we, can, we can go into that conversation, but... Um, I really don't have an opinion one way or another, but uh, the, all I know is they received the Holy Spirit. But, but the fire is very interesting because Jesus said it. He said it in Luke uh, 3.16. He said that I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so you got to dig in and understand what that fire is. And if you go back to the Old Testament, fire is all throughout the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, you have Moses with the burning bush, the pillar at night. Um, if you look at Leviticus chapter 9, 
Um, Moses and Aaron are in the holies of holies, and they're doing the sacrifice for the very first time. They're bringing the, the sacrifice to God. They come out of the holies of holies, and the sacrifice is on the altar. But out of the holies of holies, where God resides, comes a tongue of fire and burns up the 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 offering on the altar and it's a symbol of what god does to our sin and so when we when we think about the fire that aspect of it is he burns up our sin he he cauterizes our sin for us and when we're baptized with that fire he he removes our sins and he 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 takes them away east is to the west right but it's that cauterization and it's that burning up and in addition to that, the fire is the presence of God. We see that with the burning bush. We see that with the pillar of, of, of fire. And in that, that presence and the eradication of the sin is what Jesus meant when he talked about fire. Now, fast forward, fire is going to be a judgment, right? Um, we, we saw fire as a judgment in the Old Testament, um, Revelation, you have uh, fire that's going to the lake of fire, right? Um, even us who are believers, we won't be burned in the fire, but our actions will, our works will. They're all going to be thrown in the fire. And the only thing that's going to stand are those that we've done for the Lord, not for ourselves, not for other people, but we've done for the Lord. And those are the ones that are going to withstand the the fire of of judgment, um, we don't. We aren't going to be judged as far as going to hell, but our works will be um, reviewed and judged. And um, talks about uh, the only thing that's going to survive are the works that were uh, we've accomplished for Him. So the fire is is what God does is He gives us Himself. And he eradicates that sin and cauterizes it, meaning that um, we don't have to go there anymore. We don't have to sin anymore. God's taken care of it. He burned it up on the altar. And uh, and by being baptized with him and, and that fire that burns that up, never to be seen anymore, is, uh, is where we need to stand in the Lord. The fifth one. Um, the fifth one is the blood. Um, you remember back in uh, Mark chapter 10, James and John come to Jesus. I love this, right? James and John come to Jesus. Hey, hey, which one of us, we, we want one of us to be on the right, one of us to be on the left. We want to be, you know, of high authority in your kingdom. Back to, you know, our leadership conversation. Mm-hmm. And how does Jesus respond to this? He says, I, I can't grant that. But then he goes through an illustration of takes a little child and he says, you got to become like him because you got to become last. If you want to be first, you got to be last. And, uh, and then he, and then he finishes it and says, but you will go under the baptism that I'm going to go under. And, and you, so you got to step back and say, okay, what's that mean? That's the baptism of the blood of what he shed on the cross. It's a baptism of suffering. The baptism, there's two folds to this. One is the suffering. The other one is the purification and justification that he gives us through his blood. And so when he he says that to James and John, it was, 
wow, I'm, I'm going to go through this, this suffering. Um, if, you, if you look at the Peter's writings and Paul's writings, their indication is for a believer, for what followers of Christ, they're going to suffer. They're going to suffer through um, challenges, through heartache, through things aren't going to go smooth. The world is going to get, you know, get the benefits. You're, we're going to struggle. We see that, right? Um, mm-hmm. People that are evil get promoted. The the ones that are tr- doing well following Christ are the ones that continually struggle. Two steps forward, one step back. It's because we have an enemy that's that's knows that we're we're actually treasonous. We're treasons. We're traitors in this world. Because he is the ruler of the world, and when we come to follow Christ, we have what we're saying is that I'm not going to adhere to the ruler of this world anymore. What I'm going to do is follow Christ. And so this blood uh, immersion that he puts on us is one his cleansing blood, but it's a it's a it's a responsibility of suffering. And that's not the fun part to talk about, right, Mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective, but it's real. And that perseverance is very key, though, because we need to go through this perseverance because when we get to heaven, we'll never want to come back here again. We'll never want to fall again, unlike Adam did, unlike um, Satan did himself, and unlike um, those who are after the millennial reign, will follow Satan. But it, but those of us who persevere through this life and this and these trials and struggles won't ever want to come back here again. So those are the five baptisms that um, I went through and identified in the in the Bible. And what's very interesting about the number five is if you look at the Hebrew language, uh, there's numer- n- number indicators for each letter in the in words. The number five represents grace. And so that, you know, the aha moment for me was that these five, what God does is he baptizes us with his grace through his living water, through himself and the Trinity, the Holy Spirit that lives in our life, through the the fire of of the getting rid of my sin, burning up my sin in his presence, and then this blood of, of cleansing and justification and knowing that I'm his because I'm suffering in this world. And uh, the, the number five is all throughout the Bible. The, if you look at the temple and the tabernacle, it's built in div- divisions of five. Um, the archangels above the, the throne, are uh, div- their dimensions are divisions of five. And so five is grace. Multiples of five is grace upon grace. And so when we come into the holies of holies, which we now have access to the throne um, of, of the Father himself, but when, when you looked at the tabernacle and you looked at the temple in the holies of holies, you were going into grace upon grace because of those dimensions. And, uh, you know, the five stones, if you look at the, the sacrifices, they were derivatives of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we have these five baptisms that God puts on us that we find from a biblical perspective, he pours that grace on us through these. And we don't, you know what, all we have to do is acknowledge him and he, he dumps it on us. 
Paul calls it the lavishness. He lavishes it upon us, something that we don't deserve. And so that's the that's the a little longer than the Reader's Digest <laughs> version of the of the book and the study and and a lifetime work actually. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. I, I Like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. I loved your insight on a few things. And you brought it up there for a minute about the, the treasonous uh, act against Satan, but I actually wrote down that exact quote you would have from the book. It says, when we commit our allegiance to Christ, we commit treason against Satan, the ruler of this physical earth. And we've talked about it numerous times in the past. And we can think about the temptation of Jesus by Satan when, when he says to Jesus, hey, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Jesus doesn't dispute that they're his to give. He has right. dominion of this earth and Jesus will come right. back to take that dominion back um, in due time. But um, I just thought that was such a good way of looking at it. And that's where I think a lot of people and Christians, you know, you think about that. What, what, when you're committing something like that against uh, the ruler or principality of a, of a certain area, you're going to be under fire. You know, right. you're you're right. as soon as we make that commitment to Jesus, as soon as we make that commitment to God, we're under fire. Right. And it's something that we're always going to be subjected to. And we have to know that with I mean, you know, the, 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 the saying, the mantra, if God's for us and who can be against us, it's it's true. We're on the winning side. We already know who won the battle. It's it's over. But there's all these little things that are happening in between that and. and our whole goal, and we've said this a million times as well, is we need to reach as many people as we can because we want to empty out hell and populate heaven. I mean, that's the whole goal. Right. And showing through right. your book and showing how that, how God freely, Jesus freely gives us this grace and this salvation for free. And once again, in the Bible, it says, um, you know, not by work so that no man can boast. Right. It's not because I got baptized and you didn't. It's not because I did something. Right. It's because God gave us something freely. That is Amen. so above. It's it's so the the path to God. He's laid it out for us right there in front of us. It's it's easy. All these other religions, you have to go through and do this and do this and do this and all these different things and all these different rules. And God gives it to us on a silver platter. It's right there. And like you said, by his grace, we're baptized. And I, I don't think you can say it any more plainly than that. 
you know, it's it's easy but hard, right? It is. It's easy to 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 say that, hard to comprehend that because we live in this physical realm, and and the and the challenge is we want to gravitate back to that physical realm. Um, because the, you know, the Old Testament was all physical with the sacrifices and the tabernacle. Uh, fast forward, you know, the book of Hebrews basically says that we live in the spiritual realm. Right? Christ got rid of all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the new covenant. That new covenant is a spiritual relationship and a spiritual connection with fellow believers. And that is hard to communicate. It's hard to demonstrate. And it's hard to um, to really teach. The only way you do it is through experience, right? Mm-hmm. The, following the Holy Spirit and and working with um, fellow believers and understanding it. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a it's an easy concept, but I think the reason why we want to gravitate back to something physical is now I can check the box, mm-hmm. right? And and the and, and Jesus says we're done with checking boxes. It, you got me, and we have to rest on that. And that's that's not as easy as checking a box, right? Because now, for me to work, for me to disciple, and for me to know where you're at, I have to know you. I have to invest in you as a person, as a human being, as a you know. <clears throat> as people that are fellow walkers of this Christian life, if I, if I can just click, you know, check it off, you did this, you did this, you did, okay, you're good. Have a good life, right? No, that Jesus doesn't say that. What he says is feed my people, feed my sheep, um, get them to follow me. And that takes time, effort, and a, a lot of work to to do that discipleship. But I that's I'll, where people go, whoa. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead, but I'll I'll take that to the next level in that, and in, in the same way that it says, you know, to feed his sheep, and and the whole point of, you know, the Great Commission, you know, our job to go out and make disciples, as you pointed out earlier. But the, I believe that's when we talk about the baptism you know, in, in, by grace through Jesus, through God, is that it's because we're, we're immersing ourselves into the, into God's word, into, in our whole life, everything about us should exude God, should exude Jesus. Mm -hmm. People should see that in us. And I believe that's the immersion, the submersion, that's the baptism that we're walking in his ways. And that's surrounds us all the time. And that's what people need to see. And people need to feel is that when you give your life to God and when you truly do that and you have that relationship, the feeling that you have, the, the, the peace that you get, and I'm not saying you won't have hard times because you do, you're going to have hard times. We all do. But the fact that you have someone you can go to, the fact that, that, you know, God's listening to you, the the fact that God's there for you Mm -hmm. and that you also know you have that salvation. It's such a gift. I mean, it's, but that's where it's on us as uh, we say this too all the time is that what's the difference between me and anybody else on this planet is nothing. We're all sinners. The only difference is that I have Jesus. And so 
our job is to get as many people to have Jesus as possible. And so if we can do that, and I believe that's kind of, like I said, it's a trickle-down effect from that baptism of grace that we're going to keep um, through our actions, through the way we respond to people, through the way we treat people, through the way that they see us live our lives, our families, things of that nature. That's how you show that that same commitment that people think they're doing through the physical ap- action of the water. Like, look at what I'm doing. I did this. But no, if mm-hmm. people see your lifestyle, they know you're saved. If, if you truly are living right. the way you're supposed to for God. That's right. That's right. And when you, when you think about the inundation of God's grace, uh, you know, what he does, that, that, that living water gives himself to us, gives that Holy Spirit in our life, eradicates our sin, um, and, and gives him his, his, his presence and cleanses us with his blood. When you think about that, I mean, the, the magnitude and what, like you said, we're all sinners, right? Mm-hmm. But once I acknowledge and accept that he is the son of God and, and stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to follow you, that, then I get all this dumped on me, mm-hmm. that forgiveness, that reconciliation, the justification with the with pointing towards the glorification that I will have and that hope of eternity. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the difference from those who don't believe to those of us who do and are focused on that heavenly realm. Um, you know, Ephesians tells us we should be living in the heavenlies, which means that that should be our focus. Uh, you know, the, the challenge that we have in this life are it also, Paul also says that this, and James says it too, this life is like a vapor, the steam off of our coffee. That's how fast this life will be. And and when we think about all eternity and this vapor that we're living through, can we persevere a little bit? It's hard to say yes, but yes, we need to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. As far as um, you got any other plans, any other projects coming up in the future? Well, hey, great question. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm going to uh, Uganda uh, August 5th um, with just Bible Ministries. Awesome. And uh, what we we have a, a number of partners in Uganda and Kenya that we work with. And the primary thing we do is obviously teach the Word of God, teach the Bible. Um, but, um, we've been over the last quite a number of years, we have I put on symposiums and what that means is I do a three day teaching through an entire book of the Bible. And, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, the, the people there are just starving. They don't have the resources. Um, they, they don't have the, the good, the teaching, the, the sound biblical teaching, and they will come. Um, we, we feed them breakfast and lunch, and they'll come. They spend the night. They sleep on mattresses on a concrete floor of the church, and they sit on hard plastic chairs for three days. And uh, we go for seven to eight hours, depending on the session. Now, we take breaks with music, obviously, but um, for the most part, it's uh, pretty intense teaching that they are involved with. But what I leave them with is a, a workbook of that book of the Bible that we're going through. And if they don't have a Bible, we purchase one that's in their language. 
the workbooks we also translate in their language so that they have the resource to go back to their community and teach it and uh, and utilize it for their own study or for their their community of, of people that they have influence with um, and what's been exciting over the last uh, it's very interesting. We had this thing called uh, COVID, which was the enemy's attempt to shut everything down, mm-hmm. um, which he was semi-successful for a period. Um, but uh, what I see is that um, the, there's a storm coming. Um, and what I'm seeing in U- Kenya and Uganda is that storm is that uh, they're out teaching the word of God more than they ever have before. And uh, the partners in Kenya, partner in Uganda, what they have done is they have developed their own symposiums all throughout East Africa, Ethiopia, Rwanda, um, Tanzania. And they've they've gone and they've taught using the workbooks that they received from the teaching when I was there. They have gone out to different communities and they're teaching uh, these the, the, the books of the Bible. And, and the concept is that you teach through an entire book so you get the whole context of what the message is about. And that's the whole reason why we do that. Um, so um, in August, I'm going again, and um, I have a session, one session, which is teaching pastor, pastors how to study the Bible. We, go th- we use Malachi as the template as the resource, and we teach, um, you know, the observation, the interpretation, the application, um, and, and we go in depth on how to really dive in and pull all this information out of the Bible so that you get a good application to impact people's lives. And um, so I've got uh, 20, 21 people that will be attending that, pastors who have their own churches that are going to go out and, and, and even further broaden the teaching of the word of God. That's awesome. Um, and then after that, I'm going to do a three day symposium teaching through the book of Mark, uh, teaching the, um, the it, you know, it's, it's 16 chapters. There's a lot to it, but I, what was kind of exciting, the Lord showed me how to break it out. And that and the first part of it, and the significant part of it is the confession that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so when you look at the, the breakout of the book of Mark, um, what I have found, and I, I'm sure people may find more, is I found 17 events where the recognition or the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is apparent in the book. From himself saying it, from the disciples, you know, Peter says it, you are the Son of God, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Um, <clears throat> demons say it. Um, the sick people say it, uh, those who, um, need, uh, need help say it, uh, and, and you even have, uh, a centurion saying it, that he, surely he was the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and the emphasis there, because there's a, a huge Muslim influence and, um, other religions that are in that, that area. And so the, the, the significance of that is, is that what separates Christianity from everything else is that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And when we say that he is the son of God, that is our recognition of who he is. And that separates us from the rest of the religions and belief systems. And so that's, that's happening in August. So thank you for asking um, awesome. a little bit long winded no, to your question. You're good. Two, <laughs> but, two more uh, quick things, two more quick things. Sure. Let everybody sure. know where they can donate to your ministry and also where they can find your book. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the ministry is just Bible ministries.org. So it's all one word, just Bible ministries.org. And on there, you will see that uh, we are talking about the symposium to give you more information and the ability to donate, to help us, uh, buy Bibles, buy food, print the workbooks that are in their language to get my book. Um, you can get it at Amazon under uh, Baptism of, of Grace by Mark David Cooper. Uh, or you can go onto my website, and it's markdavidcooper.com. So those are the two opportunities where you can actually go Barnes & Noble, too, if you want to go Barnes & Noble and don't do Amazon. Barnes & Noble has uh, just Bible, I'm sorry, uh, Baptism of Grace by Mark David Cooper. Awesome. So, yeah, great. Thank you. No, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. I love looking into stuff like this. Um, like I said, it, it. I hate seeing, and I use the word hate sparingly. I don't like using it very often, but I hate seeing the separation in the church over non-salvation issues. So uh, I appreciate your work. I appreciate your writing, and we just really appreciate you coming on today. Well, I just want to broaden people's perspective. To really, I'll use the use the terminology to dig into the Word of God. Right? There it is. Yep. All right. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and Ben. Until next time, keep digging. Amen. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Don't be like a county worker. Get in that hole and dig some. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel. See ya. <laughs>